What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Christian Nambu. It's All-Star Weekend. We are heading into the the closing stages of the season, both with all the brightest stars in the league heading towards Utah. They should be there already, ready to ready to put on a show with the dunk contest, the three-point contest. We're getting there. We should have a few fun highlights this weekend and then a fun a fun game as always. Can LeBron remain uh, remain undefeated as the captain in uh, in the All-Star game? We shall see. But thinking about this, the stars, the superstars, we're going to have a little discussion on, on what's maybe the difference between a star and a superstar. And out of the guys going to the All-Star game, who's in the former, who's in the latter, we're going to discuss that. We're also going to be talking some of the underrated players that maybe should be in Utah in the All-Star game, or maybe they're just heroes for this, this team and they need a shout out. We're also going to be discussing the Nets. They've been pretty interesting so far in the in the short spell we've seen of their uh, of their new look regime. And we're also going to talk a little bit on Russell Westbrook. Where could he end up? Can he be the difference maker for a contender team? We will get to that and more. But first of all, if you like what you guys are hearing, make sure to subscribe, comment. We are everywhere you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube. So drop us a like, drop us a comment. Let us know stuff you want to hear about. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. We will respond to everything. We're just looking for that love and we'll keep producing the content. Let's get right into it. Chris, for you, what do you think the difference is between a star and a superstar in the NBA? Um, It's the guy who's going to get traded at the deadline versus the guy who's being obtained. It's the Kevin Durant versus whoever's getting traded for him. It's the guy who gets put in the rumors to be traded for a guy like Kevin Durant. I I think that's clear every single year who's the difference um, in star versus superstar because it's the guy that everybody in the league is trying to get. And I think it's tough when we we talk about this because for players, um, like, this doesn't really matter to them. Like, so this is such, like, a media and fan thing. But the semantics kind of matter in terms of, like, how, like, you know, how our view is on the league and how our view is on certain players. And I'm not sure if it's fair or not. So I'm curious what you think because, for example, your boy Devin Booker, is is he not a star when the Suns were losing. Was Steph Curry not a superstar when the Warriors were barely making the playoffs without his running mates? So like does teams how much does team success matter in that aspect? I think there's there's a lot of things to it, but I think the trade deadline makes things a little bit clearer about who is a superstar versus who's a star. Yeah, I actually kind of like that 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 way I was looking at it. I was kind of thinking it's kind of a star is someone that can do things that not everyone can do. And then a superstar is the guy that can do things that nobody else can do while having a consistent impact on winning. So, I mean, you look at Nikola Jokic. He has 21 triple-doubles this year. The Denver Nuggets are 21-0 and when he has a triple-double. I mean, that's just what he does, but that's having such a huge impact on winning. So he is just clearly an absolute superstar. And then maybe you look at a guy like... I don't know, maybe say Julius Randle, he's putting up really solid numbers. He He's clearly the guy in in New York, but is he a superstar? Absolutely not. Is he, He's kind of right on the on the verge of being a star or just kind of the best player in a, in a not-so-great situation. That's kind of the verge that, that he is on there. So it, it's interesting when you, you can kind of say it, 
we're going to kind of go through the guy, uh, each conference and the players that are in there. But you kind of think, in my head, I'm looking at, I think there's about six, maybe, maybe at a most eight superstars in the NBA currently. And the rest are almost there, not quite there. And some are just, they're just, they're stars. They're, they're always going to be great. You'd always pay to watch them, but they're never going to be that difference maker to a title winning team. Is there a third category? Is there a deserving like third category of star? I I don't know if there's there's one floating out there already that like I think there's such a clear distinction between a player like Julius Randle who you mentioned and then a guy like Donovan Mitchell, where where I have a hard time necessarily putting a superstar tag on Donovan Mitchell, but then to say star like takes away so much of of what he does consistently compared to a guy like Julius Randle, who is an all-star, but you know, when you, when you look at value, like you're not going to call that guy a whatever label you're putting on him compared to a guy like Donovan Mitchell compared to a guy like, um, I don't know, even, even like Drew holiday. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's a real one, but let, let's just get into it then. We'll go. We'll, we'll start. <laughs> we'll start out in the east. All right. Let's. We'll start off with a really, really easy one. Giannis okay. Antetokounmpo. Okay. Uh, like, not just superstar, but uh, generational. Like that's, he's as close as you can get to, to uh, LeBron at this point. He's a gen- generational player. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Then what about Joel Embiid? I'm kind of like he's. He's he's a sup. He's he's not quite he's not quite the superstar because of what has happened in Philly, the injuries and stuff like that. He is my guy in my mind. I think of him as a superstar. But if okay. someone kind of, <laughs> I was gonna say, if someone kind of tried to to fight me on it, I I I definitely listen. But why? What would be the argument though? Like, what what could anyone say that he's not a superstar? I'd say he's yes. bordering on a on a generational type of of big. I think he is right there. I think the, the people would have the the mark against him in winning. That that that'd be the 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 main thing that they look at. I think in my head, he absolutely is a superstar. The things he can do on the floor, absolute scoring machine, the most dominant big man scorer probably currently in the NBA. Obviously, Jokic and Giannis are close behind him, but he's he's absolutely unbelievable for me. But I could definitely see there's being some out there that would that would try and question it. Yeah, I, the winning thing, I, I'm not going to use that when we talk about like stars and superstars and things like that because there's so many talented players. There, there's obviously like like really inefficient, like low-calorie scoring type of players. Um, guys like Devin Booker would get put in that range where their team doesn't win, but they're not considered good. But I think guys like Joel Embiid, you know, you can throw Charles Barkley in there too, like Carmelo Anthony out there, guys who quote-unquote didn't win, they didn't win the championship. And even though Barkley made it, didn't win. Like their talent is so obviously like above everybody else's. And I, I think Embiid too. Like when you talk about generational, you've seen his type of player a little bit in the in the old game. The way that he's able to just dominate in the post and no one can stop it, especially in a era like today, which is small ball, which is emphasizing three point shooting, which is emphasizing wing players and guards, like. I think for the modern era, we've talked about how Jokic and Embiid have changed things in an interesting way. But he's a gener- he's like best player, one of the best players of this generation type of deal. Like he's not just a star or superstar. I, I think in terms of talent, when you turn on television and you watch this guy play, 
like that's not like oh that's one of the best nba players like in the league that's one of the best players i've seen in my life type of deal yeah yeah for sure now here here's an interesting one now jason tatum i kind of look at jason tatum and i'd say he's on the verge but i'd still say he's a star because i feel like he's still a guy who's <clears throat> thriving in a really good situation uh, that's how i would look at jason tatum thriving in a really good situation now this is the opposite right now we're going to take away from players because they're in a really good situation <laughs> in a winning situation as opposed to that well i i gotta say that we've had this conversation before about celtics and I think it's a compliment to both what Brad Stevens has done to build this team in a way that compliments everybody um, and that they can sustain success uh, even when Tatum has an off night. But, I mean, Tatum's two-way play, his playmaking, his shooting, I mean, everything. It's all-around game ever since he's been in the league, like getting better every year. I mean, to this point, this season, I think he stands himself as a superstar. Like, he's undoubtedly giving a good performance, even though he's not shooting well from three this year. I mean, he's doing a lot more, just putting them on the floor, making plays for others, really reading the defense well. And he does it night in, night out. Like he doesn't have, he doesn't have a lot of off nights and he still can contribute defensively in a game changing way. I, I think as a two-way player and the shot creator that he is, he might've, um, you know, championship equity he has now being in the championship. Class. I think he's proven that he's a winner and, I think it'll be even more clear after the season. We'll see what he does in the playoffs, and that's going to prove even more, even though he's not an outspoken guy, like that he does command a serious presence in this league. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. I think that's a, a that's definitely a fair argument. Here's a bit of, but I'm at a bio. I'm kind of even hesitant to call him a star. I think he's a defensive star. To, you, you don't really think of him as a guy, even if you break it down as simply as you think a star is someone that people who watch the NBA would know and a superstar is someone that everyone knows even if they don't watch the NBA and Bama the bio is kind of right in that market where you're kind of like yeah you know him when you watch it but you're not like kind of hearing about him that consistently he's a, a defensive stopper a great defensive player but a guy who for me has never done enough to he's he's similar sort of spec to, to Julius Randle he's kind of on the the periphery of of star oh, level player oh no alright all right, this is this is the litmus test. Would you trade Julius Randle for Bam Adebayo straight up right now? No. Oh, get out of here! What are you talking about? Are you serious? Yes, you would. Why, yes, you why, would. Why, why, why would you I would immediately that? trade for him. Are you are you crazy? All right, and plus, all right, the defensive star thing is is tough because it's so much harder to to put a number on that and to like um qualified defense that takes a lot more nuance and a lot more like watching game in and game out and you don't see highlight reels but is draymond green a star in in, in his in his in his height so like when they're winning championships is he a star yeah yeah he's a star i mean it's not just the defense obviously for him it's the playmaking too like the we know that the warriors are so dependent on his play uh, moving the ball, not just being a defender, but I think Bam does a lot of that too. Bam does a lot of that. He's the amount of, it's not like he's just a Nick Claxton or, I mean, even Rudy Gobert, I'm not, I'm not going to make this a, a slight against Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert's very, 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 very good at 
defending the rim. And he won those defensive player of the years because of it. But Bam, I think, does a little bit of everything at a really high level. And he has a playmaking. And I think he's still steadily improved um, around the block. He's, he's not really added a, a whole lot of shooting. But I think the balance to his game, I'd still call him a star because of his impact on the game. Like the way that he's able to impact both ends of the floor in different ways. They're not flashy ways. They're not star ways. And I think that's why it's tough to bring in like the, uh, the name recognition factor. Cause by name recognition, Andrew Wiggins was an all-star starter last year. So I, I don't know how far that metric goes, but I, I still, I, I can't, no, I can't believe you would say that Julius Randall's having a nice little stretch here, but you nine out of 10 people would easily trade bam for Julius Randall straight up. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And don't get me wrong, I've been uh, very critical of Julius Randle, but uh, at the same time, like, our whole team is currently built around him. He is our, like, he's almost our everything as good as Jalen Brunson has been. But and how, how's that gone? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going okay this year. They're doing better than I thought they would be, in, in all honesty. But um, I don't know if Bam Adebayo will be ready to take on that much pressure to deliver on the offensive end. Maybe he would. And maybe it'd be fine, but that's why I wouldn't say it. So we'll, uh, we'll say he's a star, but I'm not. I'm not gonna go right off the bat. I'm gonna trade Julius Randle for Bam Adebayo. I'm not gonna gonna go straight in on that. I didn't know the comparison would be Julius Randle or Bam Adebayo. Like that. That was that was out of left field. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> maybe maybe I, the Knicks have been doing well enough that you're. I'm glad it's it's uh put back your rose colored glasses. <laughs> All right, Donovan Mitchell. I think that's he. He's definitely a star, a guy that you. You think he on a, on, a, on a certain night he could become a superstar, but for, for straight up you kind of look and say he's 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 a star in this league. That's so. At what point does he become a superstar? You tell me, because he's had I thought I feel like a transcendent season this year where he's become more engaged defensively too, um, and I think I guess to see it in a different context versus. Um, seeing him alongside Gobert, seeing him work in a different system, I think alongside Garland too, and it, for it to work out, like there's been no problems. I don't know. I feel like his, his production has taken him a step closer, a big step closer. Yeah, he's definitely getting closer, but he, he's still as good as he's been and as good as the Cavs have been. You still wouldn't be mentioning his name in terms of the MVP race, in terms of a guy that you think can come into your team and straight away make you a championship contender. Like, I mean, the Suns were kind of floundering a, li a little bit this season with the injuries that they've had. As soon as they add Kevin Durant, everyone's like, okay, yeah, they're the favorites now. And justifiably so. With with Donovan Mitchell, I, I don't think he's quite there yet. As good as good as he has been and as good as he will continue to get uh, over the next uh, over the next few years. Yeah, 27 points a game. That's good for ninth in the league, four rebounds, five assists, um, shooting almost 50% from the field, 39% from three. This is his best three-point shooting year. Um, I I think he does this another year. We'll, we'll see what he does in the playoffs. That the playoffs are such a big thing in this. And that that's again why it's tough because like some players you want to give them the winning thing to like bump them up and their status and then other players you don't want to use their lack of winning because of what the team situation is to detract from them but i, I think it does it does this it does definitely mean something we've seen donovan mitchell step up um 
in moments. And obviously that the jazz kind of faltered those last couple of years, but he has a chance to, you know, make a big name for himself here again. If the playoffs are going to be a huge proving grounds for players like him to take a step out of just being looked at as, you know, an efficient scorer or, or just a, just a guy who puts up points, a star and being like a superstar level player. I think he's a guy that, that has an in him to, to make that step. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I, and I, and the situation he's now in in Cleveland, this is a, it's so big for them because they've yeah. literally haven't been able to do anything without LeBron James being there. They've been nothing in the in the postseason. So Donovan Mitchell can come in, start start putting those performances together in the postseason. That that definitely uh definitely helps his cause there. Uh, easier one, Jalen Brown, star, not not never going to be a superstar. Sorry. He's a star. DeRozan, star as well. Yeah, th- that's. So for for Brown, his, his his what he does in the defense defensive end, what he's done with his shooting, um, that's that's made him clearly a star. Uh, the handles still aren't there. The the playmaking I don't think will be there in the same way that I think DeRozan's defense has never been there, and the three point shooting is obviously like, even though he's a master in the mid range, like the three point shooting has not been there as well. And yeah, it's the defensive end of the floor for for DeRozan that keeps him from that, and that that's the kind of thing that like players like like Tatum, players like and and we'll talk about a a specific player later on that I think has a has an interesting case for jumping into a star level player, but players like DeRozan that just don't play that end of the floor, like it it takes away it has to take away from from how you look at them as a player, even though they can put up points, it it doesn't matter if they're giving it up on the other end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the the final one of the East East obviously lost a few of their all stars uh, at the at the trade deadline there <laughs> there in the West yeah. now but the final one is uh, Tyrese Halliburton star at the moment he's a guy I'm if he's putting up these same sort of numbers this time next year and it's having a bigger impact on winning in Indiana I'll definitely believe that he can become a superstar but for now he's still. Just, just on the verge of having become a, become a star. It's where can he take it to from here? Um, I mean, I wish you were going to talk about him because I, I would have looked this up and and I will and mention it in the next podcast. But how many twenty and ten seasons do you get from a point guard in a decade? Like Chris Paul probably has done it several times. Um, I don't even know if he has. Yeah, he probably has yeah, twenty yo- twenty points that much. Yeah, maybe not. Jokic, Jokic is gonna do it this year, I believe. But I, I think you could probably count on your one hand the amount of players that have pulled off a twenty and ten season. Now he's literally he's he's point one point shy of twenty, so we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. He'll have a few good games, but that has to put him like that. He is as a as a young guy, I believe. This I already messed this up last part. At least this is third year now, I believe. This is his third year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he, I mean, you have to look at him as a star. Just based on that alone. Like, he has come into this team that has had nothing. We thought they were going to be rebuilding and just completely reinvigorated them and given them a, a direction forward and has changed the their fate completely. Like, he's become a transformative player for this team. And it's, and it's something that he's going to have no name recognition around, like, people who don't pay attention to the NBA because the Pacers haven't done anything yet and they haven't won anything yet. But I mean, what he's doing right now as a playmaker, as a point guard, like it's, it has, it can't be understated at all. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Let's flip Darn. flip it over to the flip it over to the West. Start off easy again, Luka Doncic. Superstar. Moving on. It's just, it's just, just, just generational yeah. though. What about generation? Is, does he? Will he fall into the category of of Giannis, of Jokic, of Embiid? My heart says yes, but in my head, I'm kind of like he's gonna have to be able to win. Whether it's showing this year that he can coexist alongside Kyrie Irving for the future and, and he can adjust to it not all being about him and giving up some of those moments for the betterment of the team. But in terms of talent level, the terms of a guy that goes out on the floor and just does things that you've very rarely seen before, that's what Luka Doncic is uh, is all about. So I think... Uh, the winning will will determine whether or not he he's looked at as a as a generational talent. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the same thing like like MV. Like you turn on the you turn on the TV, and you watch a guy play, and there's something there's just something special about what he does, and I I feel bad like because you you see players like Tatum like you, you've seen it in a guy like like Tracy McGrady. You've seen wings who are uber talented scorers and very smart with the ball on the floor and it's it's hard to to make it just about like the eye test and just feeling like it's it's magic but i mean there's a reason why we call luca magic like the the things that he does on the floor is just it's a pure entertainment but i gotta say they're probably just in terms of what they've done in the league so far like i'd still put them on the same level i think tatum is underrated compared to to Doncic, but it's just that that special factor about what Doncic does offensively with his playmaking the no look passes and just knowing where everyone is on the floor throwing the ball behind his head the stat like it's it's something special so yeah. generational maybe not yet but superstar easy yeah yeah 100 and then another easy one lebron lebron james i think yeah i think he's a i think he's a superstar we just, can move on from he's, him. he's done a couple couple cool things yeah. yeah uh kyrie irving i think we both know he's a star he's he's the best second star for me probably Probably one of the best. If he hadn't gone so crazy in Brooklyn, he, he would definitely still be this. You know, I think. But as a two star, as a as a second star on a on a competitive team, Kyrie is, is a guy that everyone would want to have. <laughs> everyone, everyone. I don't know about everybody. Um, and in terms of I, basketball. <laughs> okay, let. I I'll be I'll be realistic with it though that. If you had a player that was out and only lasted on your team like an average of like two years and played like half of half of that time, is that is that a star? Part of being a star is being on the court and and playing. And I, and again, if I, if I thought you we were talking about Kyrie Irving in this exact regard, I would look at it. But I, I I guarantee you the percentage of games he's played in the past five years hovers maybe at like 60%. That's my that's my educated guess. I'll, I'll confirm my, my fake news here next episode. But I, I think for a guy like that, is that a, is that a star? Or is that a reliable like night in, night out player? Yeah, because uh, all those games when he's on the floor, he still delivers. I, I get when, which, when I, he's I on get the floor. The point. When he's on the floor, he still delivers. Hopefully, 
now we're done with COVID. We're do hopefully he gets back to it because <laughs> as much as he misses games, it's not all about it. it it's it's almost very rarely been a uh, due to injury. It's been to due to uh, due to other uh, outrageous things. But I think anytime he's on the floor, he still does it. He still got able to do things that very few others can do. His his handles, his finishing inside, his three point shooting. He's a 50-40-90 guy. He's a 27-point-per-game scorer. How can you How can you say he's a, that's not a star? Yeah, it's a star. It, it's a star. It's it's something. But moving on. Yeah, moving on from that. <laughs> An interesting one. John Morant. Superstar. Yeah? Superstar. I, I, yeah. I, I was leaning a little bit more towards... Star, but probably by this time next year, I'd I'd have no way of saying he's not a superstar after what he's done. I think we've seen it maybe more this year. Maybe it's come down to some of the other injuries that the Grizzlies have had. But I think last year they were quite good without Jamarant, and now this year they've really struggled when he hasn't been on the floor. So he's kind of really taken the reins completely, similar to like Luca in Dallas of this Grizzlies team, and he is the the lead obviously we always knew he was the main the main man but the team was able to come together without him now they're relying on him that bit a bit more he's being willing to put the team on his back that little bit more so he's right he's right on the cusp there but for me he's still he's still a star at at this moment now he's not quite made it to superstar 27 and 8 and the the eye test, I hate the eye test, but like, like we talked about when you turn on the TV, you see a guy like Embiid, you see a guy like, um, like Ja, you see a guy like Doncic. That's the the way the way that he alters the game with his athleticism around the rim. Like, who else does that? Like, who else has that talent? I, I think if if the numbers weren't there, if the numbers weren't there, and it was just like he's he's slowly making his way there. He's not quite as productive. And it's just like you're seeing flashes of it. But dude, since day one, like he's been he's been a absolute lights out performer. And he does it consistently. And he does it against the best. Like he gets better when he plays the best competition. I, I feel like the the thing that's holding him back is just the, you know, making it far enough in the playoffs and seeing him enough in the playoffs and just having the face. And I think people want to take away from Jaw right now because of what kind of the attitude that the Grizzlies have had, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like the presence that he has on the floor, like when John Morant steps on the basketball court, the other team has to change their entire game plan. Like obviously their, their players are there that you have to scout for, you have to, you have to really change your game plan a lot for, but John Morant is one of those guys that has game breaking offensive skills. Like what does on the court, you have to shift everything around to survive a game against him. And that's something that only superstars do. Like, I, I think that how consistently he does it and how good the Grizzlies have been because of it, I don't know, it, it's hard for me not to give him that title. Yeah, no, that's definitely, I think that's, that, that is a, definitely a fair, a fair argument. I won't quite jump on it with you just yet, but I think you've definitely, uh, you've definitely come as close as you can to convincing me. Uh, Larry, Larry Markinen. My boy, um, let's see. He's let's 
let's give it a year. I, you know, he looks like February lottery marketing of 2018, 2019. That was a guy that I, I thought was going to be a, a bull for life. He's looking at like that right now, night in, night out. Um, so I, I, I do have confidence that this is who he is. Like he's reached his potential with this team. Like, like you said, being confident in a new area, but I need to see it another year. Like I think there's 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 levels to it, and I think he's not quite he's not quite there yet, just in terms of consistency. Like new situation, grass is always greener. Maybe things get tough next season, and maybe this is situation dependent. I think the star is going to be productive wherever he goes. You throw Kyrie Irving on any team, and he's going to be productive because that's who he is. Um, can you say the same for Lowry? I think there's a resume that argues against it, but. What he's done this year is star production. Absolutely. Like, there's no doubt about it. But I I would want to see it consistently and, and see what he does moving forward with it. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I think you're, you're absolutely right on that. And then another couple of easy ones, Kevin Durant. Yeah. I think he's a superstar, just just about, just just sort of. Just maybe. Ste- Steph Curry, may, may, maybe as well, yeah. Best, best shooter ever, best, uh, oh, we won't do best point guard ever thing that's a you hot to topic that, don't you? that's a hot topic that's, that's for that's for another day that, that'll get the old heads mad uh De'Aaron Fox he's since Tyrese Halliburton left Sacramento he's looked like a different player this season looks like a much more complete player especially alongside Sabonis um and this the, the way the system has changed with with uh with Brown coaching the team I I think this is another one of those situations maybe definitely ahead of marketing because he's had more success more long term than marketing but he's a no he's a star that i i have him actually on my list here of like a underrated player so i i don't think De'Aaron fox is getting enough credit for what he's he's done this season um because he's on the sacramento Kings, but you know i think he's almost there He's almost there. If we're gonna call, if I'm gonna sit here and call a guy like Zach Levine a star, then <laughs> I gotta stay consistent. And I think, undoubtedly, for how good the Kings have been this season, um, how efficient he's been as well, he's been one of the best players at the rim, been um, really the whole engine of the offense along Sabonis, which is arguably the best offenses in the league, top three. Um, that gives him a star title, and he's done this long enough where I think that this is just a good. It's not all the system, but this is a better system that works around a star player as opposed to the system making him into a better player. Like maybe we're seeing with marketing. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's great. And th- this is another next guy is a guy that I kind of struggled with on this one. D- Damian Lillard. What? Well, what's the struggle? What's the struggle? If, if what's the look, struggle? Looking at it from my the way I kind of describe a star or a superstar uh-huh. leading into the episode. That's that's where I'm struggling by not not calling him a, a, a superstar. The way I said, someone that can do things that no one else can do with consistent yep. winning impact. That's so, where I'm kind of like, is that is that exactly what is that Dame is Dame at that? He has more thirty footers this year than the entire league. That's the tweet. Like he's he's the best deep shooter in the league, and it, that year, a couple years ago, and people are like, "Oh, it's Dame, like Steph, like comparing the two. and it was like Steph's first time, like or Dame's first time, like reaching the pinnacle of his shooting, like he's kept it there, and 
he's not he's not the greatest shooter ever. That's Steph Curry. But he's entered the conversation as like one of the greatest shooters ever. Just what what he's doing from long range, what he's doing um off the dribble. Um and I, I think that you get a guy like that with what he's doing from deep and that has to be a a difference maker in terms of being a star versus a superstar. Like who else is doing that? And same thing, like with, like, like I said, with John Morant, like you, you watch any trailblazers game, you know, the other team has to just bend their entire defense to what he does. Like people, no one is, is bringing out pressure three feet beyond the three point line on anybody except for Steph Curry and Dane. That's a that's a superstar. That's that's the kind of talent that a superstar brings where you have to completely alter your game plan around a guy like that. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll say you've convinced me. I think I, okay, I, I'll, I'll put him in there. You've done it. You've I got you on one. Me there. Oh, maybe we'll work on the Julius Randle Bam at a bio thing later, but at least I've convinced <laughs> you of that. That, that. That's good. And then Paul, Paul George. Oh, poor Paul George. This is... I'm glad we haven't had to have this conversation this season because I feel like we have it every year where it's like, is he a superstar? Is he actually good? Playoff P. Um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have just become like these forgotten stars in the league because of the injuries and what has happened with, with the Clippers ever since they made that in, insane move. I, I can just see Steve Ballmer in my head just going crazy at the press conference when he has Kawhi Leonard and Paul George next to them, but it's it's quiet. There's not there's not enough to discuss. I mean, they're they're playing really well, getting this season. They're ten and four now in twenty twenty three. Um, they're twenty three and twenty four before that. Obviously, he's a he's a star and he's been a superstar in moments throughout his career. Um, I mean, just just point to what he did in a Pacers uniform, um, how he performed uh, in the Thunder. Like he's having a Kevin Durant level year. He's having Kevin Durant MVP level year um, when he was on the Thunder with Russ. So he's, he's had moments of being a superstar. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And I think he's just in the point of his career now, him and Kawhi, where, you know, they're on the wrong side of 30. And the injuries have have held them back. And trying to maintain that has, has held them back. And not having their name in the playoffs, not being – you know, an obvious top three team in the West has kind of kept their name out of these conversations, but you know, they're, they're not just star players, like they're tenured star players. And I don't know what, what, what else to to do with that. Someone could call me crazy and point out something else, but it doesn't, they don't give the feeling because of the consistency and that's just not there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think, uh, I think you're right there. And then uh, a couple, uh, actually one more Zion Williamson, I think he will become a superstar, but from what we've seen at the moment, he's still at that. He's he, he's still got to say he, he's not he's not quite superstar yet. Oh man, you need to see the health, the hamstring thing. Like that's bothersome for him to re-aggravate it. Now he's going to be out until um, after the All Star break. You just he he is a superstar player, like. He's a guy, again, like he does something on the court by himself that, you know, breaks the other team. What he what he does on the inside. But, you know, if, I, if I'm going to make this argument about Kyrie, 
you know, just about availability. I mean, that matters for Zion too. Like, are you a superstar if you're only doing it for half the season? Because the other half you're hurt. Um, maybe, maybe not. Like when he is on the court, like he looks like a superstar. Um, but unfortunately, that's it's gonna be the conversation yeah, for a while. That, that, that's the issue, and I also gotta, I, I gotta see some playoff Zion. Have you yet to have yet to to really see that? I, I not that saying that he has to go right now and win. I, I just want to see him going face to face with uh, another top level talent in the league, another top level team in the league. And let's see what he can, what he can deliver. He's still at that star moment. Undoubtedly has superstar potential. The things that he can do, his athleticism is, is, is off the chart. He, he could be that guy, but for now, I think it's still, still potential. And the final two, obviously I left out a couple of guys that I think we know the answer, the answer to, but final two are, are both interesting one. First of all, Anthony Edwards, I think he is a star, but you talk to me again a year from now, I think we could be looking at him as a guy who's in 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 superstar right up there in terms of similar to like what we talked about with Jar Morant. I mean, he's been the most consistent guy, one of them in the league, because he's been out there on the floor for every single Minnesota Timberwolves game this year, as much as they've struggled. Only guy in the league with a thousand points and a and hundred steals. He's top ten in points, steals, field goals, threes. 25-point games. He is a star-level player. He's still only 21 years old. He is going to be a superstar, but for now, he's still a star. That's what I, how I would look at it. Yeah, I, I think, man, he's he's still the most frustrating player in the league. The most frustrating player in the league. That's what I, young guys are. That's what young guys are. I, 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 know, I think it's tough to compare him to Ja, because I think Ja has the has the iq like john knows what to do and when to do it how to get other people involved like managing the flow of a game and that's i mean that's why he's that's why he's point god um halberton's coming for that title potentially but anthony Edwards still needs to to get that sense but you know some players grow incrementally some players like add things to the game every year but other players like there's just a moment when it clicks, like there's a playoff series that they lose and they, they realize, and it was like this emotional blow that makes them realize that they can't do it themselves or that they, they really need to, to play a different way. And there needs to be that, that focal moment for Anthony Edwards for a next year thing to happen. Maybe they make it to the playoffs and there's just this falling out and there's, you know, this big learning moment. And then next season, he comes back a completely different player. Um, or maybe it's year by year. If it's year by year, I think he's still a couple couple years away, just because the maturity to see him engaged night in night out, the IQ to see him make the right play every single time down the floor. Not not every single time, but consistently trying to make the right play. You know, it's not something we've seen yet. But dude, once he puts that together, like he's the he's the reason he's the most frustrating player in the league is that I I honestly don't see anyone else in the league who has the same full package that Anthony Edwards has from the wing position. He has the, I think he's the most athletic wing in the league. Um, for a guy who has not the best shooting mechanics, he's one of the most aggressive three-point shooters in the league. He's already chasing uh, Steph Curry level uh, records as a young shooter. And putting the ball on the floor, it's gotten better every single year. And defensively, dude, like th- that possession with him, and Jalen McDaniels um, against Doncic 
and Kyrie Irving down the end of the stretch of the game. Like that is something that he can do when he's engaged. He is a legitimate stopper, a wing stopper. And with the steal, like he can be aggressive in the passing. It's like if he can put the full picture together, that's an MVP. Like that's an every single year. And we haven't seen, um, I think, a, a guard be consistently like in the MVP conversation, except for Steph Curry, but like a physical wing type of play, like his type type of prototype. And his prototype is what? Michael Jordan. Like that's that's the kind of physical prototype that he brings and what he does as an athlete. And we haven't seen a guy like that in a while be in the MVP conversation every year. And I think that's the kind of player he can be. So there's a long-winded way of saying he's not a superstar yet, and he's kind of bordering on a star. Just I think just the consistency level with him. But dude, once he puts it together, I think it's it's so like just you drool over the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah. Absolutely right there. And then another guy that's in that sort of similar mold, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. I mean it's kind of it together, man. It's kind of crazy to think that he isn't is isn't an all-star starter. Like what more do you have to do? It just shows the level of talent in this league and that how much you have to do to get into the the heads of uh all the fans around the world that are voting voting on these things. I mean, Shea has just been unbelievable this year, averaging over 30 points a game. He's Got 1,494 points without threes this year. Most in the league. More than Giannis. More than Embiid. The dude is an animal inside. He is, in terms of this year, like, how often did the, the Thunder win without him being the lead guy, without him having one of those unbelievable nights? And he's doing it with, Every fiber of his being, it's obviously not having the the huge impact on winning that you'd like to see when you see a guy kind of break out like we saw with Ja last uh, last season. But when this team is at their full complement, and if Shea can build on this and continue this now over over a three four year spell, it's kind of frightening to think of what level that he could get to. Yeah, and he's he's a guy that it's a it's definitely a media thing, it's a market thing. Why his name isn't a household name right now, isn't emerging as one. Um, and I think it's also his play. Like, I, I think, you know, he's not he's not going to get the same level of attention Donovan Mitchell does when Donovan Mitchell's throwing, like, a, a baseball sidearm pass or Donovan Mitchell's, like, throwing down a dunk at 6-1. You know, Shea, Shea is a more methodical player. He's crafty the way he scores, and he's not, he's not throwing down crazy dunks or anything. But... And for guards averaging 34, 4, 1 and 1, I think someone's already put this out there. This is back in December. But so everyone should know this already. And if you don't, this is incredible. So that that stat line is just to say the all-around play, the scoring, and the efficiency at 50%. Only other player to do that is Michael Jordan, two times. Putting up those box stats on both ends of the floor at that efficiency. And both those times, Michael Jordan won MVP. I mean, that that's the kind of year that Shea is having. And for the Thunder to, we're not going to get into trade deadline stuff, but <laughs> I, I I think that, you know, once the Thunder like make some noise in the playoffs, which they will see if they do this year, it's going to be so tight at the end of the, the season. We'll see what happens, but um, he's not going to get that tag, but is that a superstar player? Right. He's right. He's, he's right there at it. It's just a question of, 
this is the first year we've seen it, so you can't really just automatically go right off the bat. Yeah, this guy, this guy is a superstar. I can't do that, but I think Sue, and I think when we start to see the when we see him playing alongside Chet next year, he's still playing at this same great level. I think we will, we will really start to look at him as as a guy who is superstar caliber, one hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Let's do a test here. Ready? Uh, first question is: Do you think this is sustainable? Like, is this just some fluke, or is this Shea? Like the fact that it's it's inside scoring the two point domination that's why 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 I think it is it is sustainable maybe not thirty points per game every year but somewhere in the region of twenty five to thirty a year no problem yeah and I would I would say also he doesn't have like a running mate that is like forcing doubles or like he doesn't have a ton of elite shooters that's spacing the floor like crazy like he's doing this against set defenses that know that he's the main threat. So I think the answer to that is like this is Shea. Like he's proven like this is the kind of player that he is. And I think that's at a John Morant level. But let, let's do this test. Easy one that I hope you'll pass. Would you trade Julius Randle straight up for Shea Gilders Alexander? Uh, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> okay. Now would you trade um Zach Levine for Shea Gilders Alexander? Yeah. I'll answer that. Yes. Because that, that's my guy. Would you trade Jalen Brown for Shea Gildas Alexander? Yes, on the face of it. But I also would think about it just because I, I really think the fit of Tatum. No, not Brown fit. Not that. fit. Just like in a vacuum. Like you're just, just two players, regardless. Just like yeah, the talent. In a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's a hard one Devin Booker. For Shea Gilders Alexander. I'm gonna say Not, you yes. can't you can't yeah yes. I, I think that's the that's the level of player he is. Like you you just do that test. Who 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 across the league that you consider to be an established star and based on like our understanding that this is probably who Shea is, would you trade them straight up? And I think that's a pretty good indicator of the fact that Shea is you know he's a top twenty player. He's a top fifteen player. We'll, yeah. we'll see, like this. Then it just gets into the semantics of like how much playoff success we had, and he hasn't had the opportunity to do that yet. But once he does, then that's a whole different conversation. But objectively, he's a better player than Donovan Mitchell right now. He's a better player than Devin Booker objectively right now, and better player than Jalen Brown. Just name any guard, and I think he's right there. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're almost a superstar. Yeah, he's right, he's right almost there. It's it's just a a question of waiting and and seeing it just that that little bit more, even to the end of this season. Then then you're even thinking about it at that age as well. And if they manage to edge into the playoffs this year, too, that's going to be uh, that's going to definitely be really fun to watch. And moving on there from the stars and superstars, let's talk about a couple of the underrated guys, possibly guys that haven't had enough of a shout out this year or guys that aren't there at all. I'm going to lead off the bat and give some love to my boy in New York, Jalen Brunson. Okay. 24, averaging 24 points, six assists on 51, 41, 84 splits. He's having a real great impact with this New York team. As much as it's still built around Julius Randle and he's the guy they're going to in the, for the, for the most part on the offensive end, Brunson is still performing at this career level. 
and he's doing it uh, in New York as well, where no one no one likes to show off their their career their career levels uh, too much in New York. So it's really great to see. <laughs> yeah, I I love that pick because you know that's I don't think the Knicks get a lot of love in general, and I think they're still going through a growing period. And Jalen Brunson's just been fantastic. Um, this is probably the the best case of of nepotism you could you could see. Is that, is that nepotism or is that cronyism? I, I don't know. There's there's a certain word for it where you're just giving jobs to your friends. I think it's cronyism. <laughs> I don't know. I gotta I gotta check my vocab here. But um, he's been fantastic. He's been a perfect fit out there. Um, how, how do you feel about the fit with him and Josh Hart? That's fun, right? Yeah, yeah it's been really uh, Josh Hart's been really fun. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Josh Hart will be on our underrated list next year. But I gotta throw Jimmy Butler. Not there in Utah this weekend. Which is insane to me. That, that's I, he's a guy that should be in the All Star game every single year, and he's ninth in PER. And I mean that that's a pretty objective measure of like the level of talent. Like he's always in the top ten in player efficiency rating. And that, I don't think that's very noisy. It's it's what he does on the floor, night in night out, on both ends of the floor. And it's just very simply put, like he is a top twelve player every single season. And he doesn't get that same love because he does the dirty work. Like he's not the flashy guy. Like I said, he's not that Donovan Mitchell throwing down dunks. He's not making a lot of noise in the media. Like he is probably one of the most underrated stars in the league. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think everyone knows that already about, about Jimmy Butler. I think everyone appreciates how, how good he is and how underrated he is as much as he, isn't quite the the difference maker. He's only led that that Miami team. He led them to one one finals appearance. He led them to the Eastern Conference Finals, of course, last year. But he is that dude. Like he can, on any given night, he can just go off. And for throughout the course of a season, all the things that he does on the floor, the impact that he has on winning, he he is that guy. He's not the the flashy. He's not going to average thirty points a game. He's not going to be dishing out 10 assists a game but at the same time on any given night he could have he could have a a 30 point triple double if he if he really wanted to he's going to do it on both ends of the court uh, both ends of the court and he's going to lead teams to to winning records and that's that's star level player yeah that's what he does and he does it he doesn't get the the shine for it and i think that's uh that's an indictment on the Miami Heat not being as dominant as they would like to be this season not not an indictment on on Jimmy Butler. But uh, I think we already mentioned De'Aaron Fox. He was on my list for being underrated. I think Pascal Siakam, I mean, has mm-hmm. been, I, I wanted to say underrated, but then when you look at the fact that he made it to the, the All-Star game, rated. He's rated. Yeah, He got there and Jimmy Butler did not. So I think Siakam's got the love that he, that he deserves, especially like him, his name being put out there. Like maybe he's going to partner with, Kevin Durant and the Nets, like he would be the guy to help them win something. But maybe, uh, maybe he's adequately rated at this point if he's making the All Star game. Yeah, I think he's, he's yes and no. On, on the one hand, you're like he he's probably well rated because he's getting into the All Star game. He he's uh he's being recognized, but at the same time, he's averaging twenty five, eight, and six. He's he's really looked impressive in a in a Toronto Raptors team that's obviously underwhelmed this year, but. The things that he's able to do on the floor at his size, the growth we continue to see in his game, he's de- he definitely still needs that an, an extra bit of love, an extra bit of notice, an extra bit of respect put on his name. Yeah. Um, 
And we talked about Shay. That that's that was my most underrated guy because I I think we had a good conversation on that, like thinking about where he he stands in the league. But yeah, yeah, he's a big one. Yeah. So we're running out of time here. We ready to talk some Nets? We be talking about Westbrook some other time. I, I, we have to talk about Nets. Really. Yeah, we we got to talk. We'll, we'll, we'll talk Brooklyn Nets. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. What happens happens with Russell Westbrook. But the the Nets. We've only seen four games of the new look team. They're two and two in those games, and that was including that really tough L to uh to Philadelphia. It could have easily been a a three and one record to start off oh, after yeah. trading their two uh their two stars, but. Looking at it objectively, obviously it it looks as though they're gonna they could they could be on this kind of similar path the rest of the year, maybe a slightly above five hundred from here until the end of the season, which means they will be in the playoffs, which is uh which is a big a big thing after trading away your two star players. But the big thing I'm seeing out of it, it's kind maybe it's time to look at this now being Bridges' chance to to really be a star two way player and the lead guy on a team. I mean. You challenged him at the start of the year to to do more offensively. Obviously, you didn't know he was going to get traded to Brooklyn for uh, for Kevin Durant, but we saw that 45-point, that career night he had uh, just the other day. He's already taking more shots. He's already getting to the free throw, free throw line more. Obviously, very, very small sample size, but in that time as well, Ben Simmons is averaging four and three. He, he, <laughs> oh, he, I mean, like, he's... Uh, He's taking like uh, three and a half shots a game. When we first heard this trade going down, we were kind of thinking of, can Ben Simmons now get back without the pressure? Maybe it's more time to think, can this be Mikael Bridges' team? And can he show that he can be a two-way player? Maybe maybe similar to what we uh, what we saw from Jimmy Butler, what we see from Jimmy Butler, maybe without the, uh, without the passing ability. Yeah. And the passing ability hasn't been bad. Like you see him make a couple... Couple, um, couple skip passes throughout these last few games, and the defense is loading up on it. Like, when was the last time we saw a defense loading up on Mikael Bridges like that? <laughs> he made made the smart pass on that, uh, and I think not just the playmaking ability, but the mid range shooting. The mid range shooting has been the thing that's like jumping off the page. Uh, we've seen that he's gotten more attempts uh, than ever uh, in twenty twenty three with. Uh, the moments that Devin Booker's been out when he's been playing out there without him on the floor or Chris Paul, like he's been a lot more aggressive being a pick and roll ball handler and um, shooting pull up mid rangers. He's taken 45% of his shots in 2023 from there. And he only shot 18% of his shots in his rookie year from mid range. It's steadily gotten better at that. And he looks comfortable with it too. And if this, I, he's not going to be dropping 40 points tonight, not at all. But averaging 20 points a game, almost 20 points a game this season, um, being an efficient shooter, being the defensive stopper that he is, like a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate every single year. That That's the really interesting thing for me because a guy, guy like that, when you really look at the whole package, you have a guy who's a legitimate wing stopper, can defend one through four, and is a great off-ball player. He's an amazing cutter, very smart cutter, very knows how to make the extra pass knows how to attack closeouts knows how to spot up from three get to the right spots like that that's a he's a complete off-ball player if that is a guy who also is showing that he can do enough on the ball to be a, a secondary playmaker to be a shot creator that's like what does that turn him into that i 
that's a Paul George level player. That's a prime Paul George level player, a, a guy who's able to do both those things at the same time. And I think Bridges just will have to learn the the balance of that. But now he's exploring, you know, having a team to himself like this, which he's never had the opportunity to do before. And this is an amazing thing where kind of like where you give Larry Markin and you give him the ability to do a lot more on this Utah Jazz team. There's no pressure. Let him play free and like really explore his his full abilities. If you're doing that with Mikhail Bridges and like this, he looks very, very comfortable having the ball in his hands, attacking the nail and, and kicking it out or taking a shot, taking fadeaway. Like with his length on these mid-range shots, on these fadeaways, like he looks very comfortable scoring whenever he wants uh, in those mid-range situations. And this is just the beginning. This could just be the biggest fluke ever. And maybe they should have taken four first round picks from him. But if this is a 20, like a 25 point per game score, who's going to be an absolute ball stopper on the other end. That's, that's a, that's a really good player. That's a player you don't find in the NBA every day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what else have you seen out of Brooklyn? What else have you liked uh, from the, from the early viewing? I think the number one thing is like, is the energy. We, we talked about this, like when the trade went down, is that like the Nets can finally like develop a team identity and the energy on this team feels really good. Like the, the way that these guys are playing on the court, um, the way that they're moving the ball, the way that they're playing unselfishly, the defense hasn't come, come through yet, but I, I absolutely believe it will. Um, you'd be surprised to know that in those four games, they were 25th in the league and defensive rating. But I, I think that the talent defensively is definitely there, but we, we've seen that they can be a team that um, moves the ball seamlessly that can space the floor for legitimate shooters out there. Nick Claxton in the dunker spot. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, an aggressive shooter. Cam, uh, also an aggressive shooter. Um, and then Cam Johnson. I was talking about Cam Thomas. Now, now we got two Cams to worry about here. But Cam Johnson, a, a guy alongside Joe Harris, Seth Curry, real shooters out there. They've, they've shown that they can space the floor and move the ball efficiently. And that's a team that's going to be successful down the long stretch. And they if they continue to embody like this um fluid ball movement and get better on the defensive end like they're going to continue to be good is this a a team you see the nets sticking with for next season or do you think they'll try to be aggressive in the in the offseason and possibly make a move for someone they maybe a more obvious candidate to build to build the next uh, the next team around I mean, if I if I had to read Joe Sai's mind, if I had to read Jacques Vaughn's mind, I I think this is probably going to be the happiest that they've been in years. Like they they get to coach or Jacques Vaughn gets to coach a team of guys with no ego, guys who just want to play basketball, and guys who who have a lot to learn, maybe not learn, but to develop. Like he can develop Mikhail Bridges into a star. That's pretty enticing for a coach. That's pretty enticing for um, uh, a team that that made a trade for Kevin Durant. That's a pretty pretty nice thing to go off of if you're the general manager and you made a a trade in a tough situation and got guys that developed into stars. That's a pretty big thing. I I don't think that they're really that they're going to be jumping at the bit to to get another star to get into another situation where they have to you know jettison young players who they think they have promise and fit the character of the team. I think they're going to care a lot about that locker room. They're going to care a lot about, you know, the identity that they're developing here. 
Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope that's how yeah. they go. But uh, this is Brooklyn we're talking about. You know, they, uh, they like they 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 like to jump the gun just uh, just 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 a little bit sometimes. They they might have learned their lesson. You know, they might have learned their lesson. We hope, we hope, and then Nets fans, I think you should uh, you should hope for that too. Do you want you want you want to have a little bit of discussion on Russ? You want to finish? I, I think we got time. I think we got time for it. Let, yeah. let, let's make let's make it quick. So there's three teams: Bulls, Heat, Clippers. Those are the three teams that are being rumored the most. There's there some other teams that seem to be interested. I saw Phoenix put out there. I don't know what that's about. Um, that would be the most hilarious uh, <laughs> Westbrook and Durant uh, uh, reunion that we've seen. But I, I think for the Heat, I don't. I don't love it. Do, do you love that fit? I'm not 100 percent convinced on it, but at the same time, thinking. The way that Larry is has really dropped off this year, having a guy like Russ to come off the bench wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But yeah, fit wise, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not all in on that now. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's a similar reason to you know the fit in LA where you got Butler, you got Adebayo, your two best players. You, you want to close with your best players and start with your best players, and those guys just don't operate in ways that complement each other. And I think that's that. I mean, I, I think a guy like Gabe Vincent, um, not saying that Gabe Vincent is a guy, but a like a tertiary playmaker uh, at the point guard position who's a great off-ball shooter, really moves without the ball. That's the kind of guy that you surround Jimmy Butler with, and that's that's successful. I don't – that's not Russ. Russ, I think, would really implode the spacing that they already struggle with. Um, so I think it's a pretty quick answer for me. Um the Bulls. <laughs> so this is a complicated situation because so you have uh, Billy Donovan who coached Russell Westbrook. And I think the great thing about bringing Billy Donovan in is that he's a coach that, you know, will allow players to play freely and seeks to, you know, really put them in the best position. He's not a kind of guy that's going to come in and just like – impose a system on players which is great right especially for for young guys who are trying to figure out their place in league but for russell westbrook i think the biggest complaint people ever had was that donovan mitchell did not rein him in or donovan mitchell billy donovan <laughs> billy donovan uh, donovan mitchell definitely reined them in <laughs> absolutely reined them in. he had a lot of success doing that but billy donovan did not billy donovan couldn't control um just everything that Russell Westbrook did. And I don't think anyone can. That That's the beauty and the the uh, the beast. I, I, I don't know why I wanted to say that. It sounds right. The beauty and the beast of, mm-hmm. of it Russell kind of It kind of works there, yeah. It, it works. I like it. But that that's what makes him so fun and so frustrating as a player. But for him to come to the Bulls, I think would be such a a, a feast of misery and fun. I would and I would love it. I I want. I'm at the point now where I don't care. I'm done. Like I'm done caring about the success of the Bulls this season because it's not happening. So if you want to tank without having to trade anybody, just sign Russell Westbrook. And have, like I'm not going to say that Russell Westbrook is going to reason that we lose because that's not fair to him necessarily. But he will give us a better chance at losing. In style, losing in style. Oh, yeah. I would love of to tank in style with Russell, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> that, 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 that is fair. I, I have to assume that if Russ has his choice, I have to assume that he'll uh, he won't go to team ride the Bulls. He, he'd rather 
go and join a, a team that are at least going to be in the playoffs, if not a contender. And that's Why? when you, I feel like that's that's what his mentality will be. I I don't see really? why he would go to a team like Chicago. I think he'd. I, 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 don't, I don't think, think, he think wherever he goes, I don't think wherever he goes, he's going to be there long term. So why wouldn't you go for the short term? Potentially get that get that ring or something like that. I think that. I don't think he cares about it. that. I don't think he cares about that. He's not. He's not like that's never been like his. Maybe that's an internal thought of his, but he's never externally talked extensively about you know, the accolades and and winning a championship, stuff like that. I mean, you have this infamous cliff this season about them in the locker room where <laughs> LeBron and, and Darvin Hammer are like encouraging him to keep going and like be and like keep winning and make make winning plays. He's like, yeah, everyone just have fun. <laughs> and I, I think that for a guy like him who just desires to play free, like he's gonna want to go to a situation where he can play free and not be like have the pressure to be on a team where he has to be somebody else. I mean, how, I, I think that's a sad thing about Russell Westbrook. I I want to remember Russell Westbrook for the years with Kevin Durant, the years as an MVP. 30 point triple, triple double double. season. Oh my God. Like that, that is, that is the player that like was one of the most exciting players in the league. And then you send him to play with James Harden and he can't be Russell Westbrook he plays with James Harden and then you send him to the Wizards misery and there's nothing you can really do there and he still has an excellent season and no one cares and then now he gets to LA and that just was never a situation that was going to work out so I think he's just had like the shit end of the stick in terms of being in situations for the player that he is like he is he is Russell Westbrook like you weren't going to bring in a guy who's just going to all of a sudden be an off-ball shooter and work with it blah 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 like he belongs in a place where he can play fun basketball be an entertainer and play free and that's not being a bench player for the the Phoenix Suns playing 18 minutes a night just to be a spark plug like I, w- I want to see Russell Westbrook play 33 minutes a night and have the ball like 30% of the time when he's on the floor. Like that's, that's the guy he is. And he'll still be a fun player like that. So yeah. If, but if that's your thinking, then, then why wouldn't he just stay in Utah? Uh, <laughs> Because that is the, like the place of infamy where he's had the most like player fan interactions ever. <laughs> I mean, it'd be hilarious. Like the, those guys who sit courtside that he got in fights with. Like, are they going to be there? Are, are they going to be uh, Russell Westbrook fans now? I mean, you you think about that though. But like, the only reason he would want to, in in my head, obviously, I I get the point that you're bringing on about not really thinking about about too much about winning that ring or getting onto that competitor. But at the same time, if he's not going to look to make that move, then I think why not just stay stay in Utah and then you're a free agent in this season, then maybe see where that, that takes you. I, mm. I I feel like he's going to end up with the Clippers. The Clippers have the team being most touted. Yeah. Apparently Paul George is, is on, is onto him trying to recruit him out to LA. Apparently LA have already begun talks with him. So you think that they're going to try and work that situation there. Maybe he gets more of an opportunity to be Russell Westbrook with the, with the Clippers team. It's hard to see. You can you kind of have it on on two sides of the coin. One side you're kind of like, maybe it'll be quite similar to what we saw in LA. 
Westbrook just isn't the guy that can make make that difference to a competitor. Or maybe he'll be able to flourish and maybe the fact that Paul George and Kawhi could maybe just spread that floor just a little bit more. Maybe he'll get get more of an opportunity to to be Russell Westbrook with the Clippers. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks there. And I think just talking about positives, because anyone anyone will talk about the negatives of what Russell Westbrook will bring to that team. The positive is that um, on this Clippers team, you can make a pretty good argument that Mason Plumlee right now is their third best passer. And that is pretty indicative of like what their playmaking situation is. And they need a guy who can like consistently create for the team. And Russell Westbrook, I think, can still do that. And that just comes with all, all the bads. But you have Tyron Lue, you have Paul George, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have two wing players that can play, that can space the floor and play in different ways. They're very versatile in ways that, you know, LeBron James and AD aren't. So maybe this is a situation that does work. And I mean, how poetic, how, how absolutely poetic would it be for there to be an LA matchup in the playoffs? And for the Clippers and Russell Westbrook to come out on top. I mean, that that would be that would be like the most ironic way for this story to come out and probably the craziest story that I've ever seen. But for a guy like that to be just absolutely flamed for for who he is as a player on the on this team, for, for him to get all the blame for how the, the Lakers were constructed, even though this is Plinka's fault, not Russell Westbrook's fault, and for him to come out on top. I'd love to see that. I mean, that's why I'd love to see him uh, for the Clippers. And if that's the outcome, that I don't think this story could have possibly ended better. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Let's uh, the, the Lakers still have to reach the reach the playoffs for that for that to happen. But uh, maybe that's <laughs> we're the, assuming the that already. Has yeah. there has there been the written. script? <laughs> the script has now been written. Let's let's uh, uh, let's see if that happens. But uh, I think that's gonna do it for today's episode. A long one. Thanks so much for sticking with us and everybody. Enjoy All-Star Weekend. My thanks to Chris for joining me. Everybody, remember, check out our show on all social media channels. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.